Julia. My friends, to the In Obscuria podcast, a podcast where we exhume obscure rock and punk and metal, and we put them in one of three categories, the lost, the forgotten, or the should-have-beens. I am Kevin Williams, that is Robert Harrison, and we are here again this week to bring you, well, entertainment and joy, I believe. In quotation marks, air quotes. <laughs> what is up with you, Mr. Harrison? Nothing, sorry, I'm late. I uh, got delayed a little bit by some politicians across the street, had a good meeting over there. Oh, Yes, yeah, so I'm. I'm happy to be here because I have been dealing with work politics all day, and I'm. That's not fun. I'm done. Regular I'm done politics is bad enough. Yeah, I'm. Re- I'm ready to just to forget about all that stuff yeah. that pays my bills and and do this. Well, this is a, this is a good meeting. It wasn't politics necessarily. It's just kind of the state of the city. There's a lot going on in our little town here. Let me tell you, our neighborhood. Everybody wants to be near the firehouse. So there's a lot going on in the neighborhood. Some cool stuff happening in our city. Did you uh, take a boombox and play? Everybody wants some. Oh, that's right, babe. We just stand up like. Yeah, yeah, come on. I'm responsible for all these property value increases. (laughs) You're welcome. Your taxes went up, not my problem. <laughs> but it was cool. The, we had our state representative there, so we had some updates, you know, not just in the neighborhood, then citywide. There's a whole bunch of new development because of the Brave Stadium. For those of you mm. just joining us, Kevin and I record the podcast just down the street from the new Brave Stadium called The Battery. That would here. be the Atlanta Braves. Atlanta Braves, yes. For those and of you who really don't know. And they did a really great job on the stadium, and it's a cool place to hang out now. Same thing. Everybody wants to be near that, so there's, I think, they announced three new developments, like mixed use developments going in by the stadium. And then right around here, we've got about six new restaurants coming in, plus the brewery. The br- when, so when is the brewery going to be here? Because so, this is important. Yeah, it's very important. So the, it's a long process. They got it approved, which was controvert- controversial. There's a lot of old people in town that didn't want it, but us younger people did. It's been approved. They went back kind of to the drawing board for the design. So they're going to redesign it a little bit based on some public input. The beer or the brewery? No, the, just the brewery. Oh, okay, the the beer it. is well designed already. Okay, it, good. It's still fire brewing. Yeah, so it, we're looking at about a year for that. But there's some other things happening uh, sooner than that. So I had to stay afterwards, of course, and, you know, meet and greet some of the, you know, muckety mucks just to make sure they remember me. handshaking. Yeah, you know, a little 20 stuffed in there. You know, you do the Godfather <laughs> shake. You're like, hey, how's it going, man? And yeah, take that. The, the double palm yeah, shake. Oh, yeah. Buy, buy something nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little something for you. Oh, yeah. So make sure everybody remembers me. So next time I need to be a jackass, they won't get too mad at me. So I noticed you're wearing a pretty impressive T-shirt. Did you notice that I, I am wore, also? I wore this to the council meeting. Did you really? Yeah, I, I love that. I yeah, you in. just walked straight so in. I've got a Kiss right. T-shirt on, and I wore wait, that. Wait, wait, well, who are you council. wearing? It's um, Kiss. Here's your kiss connection with the cake. You don't have to worry about it the rest of the podcast. Yeah, You're we're done. Good. Yeah, we're Knock done. Knock it out. Yeah, so I come home. I walk home to the firehouse. The town hall's right across the street there. And I walk in the door. My dog's going nuts and thought he was excited to see me. No, come to find out, Kevin was hanging out. And what did you see? We think we saw a beaver. An actual beaver. An actual beaver. Nice beaver. 
Thank you. I just had it stuffed. Let me help you with that. It was fat, uh-huh. like a beaver's fat, but it didn't have a beaver's tail, so it had kind of a well, short, stubby pointy tail. tail. Yeah. So I don't know if that's like some Georgia beaver that I just don't know. Otter, something. Saying the word beaver over and over yeah, just, just kind giggle. of makes me giggle. I got to giggle at that too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is like mutual Omaha's wild kingdom around here. We have problems with the fox taunting my dog. The fox just paces back and forth up and down the street. And Dio, my dog, Ronnie James D.O.G., just barks incessantly. And so now he knows to run outside and jump the fence and chase the fox. You know, he's, he's a wild child on top of all these other wild animals on this street, which I am basically downtown Smyrna. So. So earlier I'm gonna I was gonna play everybody wants some snippet. Now I gotta play Wild Child snippet. Yes. So In honor of my dog. Lots, and all of, the lots of snippets going life. in this. So there's wild things going on around here today. But yeah, we're back. Now it's time for a podcast. It is. We we got, to, now he's settled down. Yeah, he's, he was freaking out, man. Yeah, I, I thought he was freaking out because I was here and you weren't. Yeah. And I thought he was about to come up and eat my ass. No. But no, that wasn't the case. No, he's, He he's, just saw a beaver or a otter or whatever that thing was. That's his job. He patrols, protects the firehouse, and he was doing his job. You know, we talk about this place and it sounds like, I mean, you walk to your city council meeting, yeah. you're, you're seeing all this wildlife. It's sounds like we're not in a city. No. And we are. Sounds like we're out in the country. <laughs> sounds got, like we're out in a little teeny town. we the same problems we're, that people we're out actually in the wilderness have. 10 to 15 minutes from downtown Atlanta. Yeah. So we're, we're, it's not a suburb. We're just a small town surrounded by Atlanta. And yeah, we've got our own problems here, but <laughs> I'm just waiting for the deer to show up. We've got wolves, coyotes, you name it. We've got everything here. It's great. All right. Well, after you deal with the wildlife, go listen to Pot of Thunder, Cobras and Fire, Growing Up Rock, Slam Fest Podcast. Decibel Geek, A to Z Radio, Metal Up Your Podcast, The Hustle, Disciples of the Watch, Podcast Rock City, State of America, Rock Strikes 10, Potter Than Hell, Podkiss, The Kiss Room, Ages of Rock, RetroZest Podcast, and Paul's on RetroZest Podcast because I believe I heard Curtis say the next episode of RetroZest is the 100th episode. Oh, that's right. Congratulations. Congratulations to Curtis. Well earned. All right, the Synaptic Empire, and don't forget about Monty's Rockcast. Come visit us at inobscuria.com. Like us, share us, recommend us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you're not going to believe this. It is time for our quarterly reviews. Oh, nice. Yes, we have to do a quarterly review. Oh, we have to do the review? Well, we got one. Oh, we got a review. We got one. And it is five stars. Whoa. Five stars, yep. Cheers. And this is on Apple Podcast. Thank you, Katie. And I believe you know who this person is. It says, so the title is, It's Wonderful to Hear So. I don't know if there was some more of that, but that's all I see. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. And it's from MLM Blacksmith. So oh. This might be someone you know. Yeah, that would be, I think, Mackenzie. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Mackenzie. So he says, MLM. The music shared here is so good, it's hard to believe all this stuff never made it to mainstream. Hmm. We agree. We agree, and that's exactly why we do what we do. And we got thank a, you very much. We got a job. For we got that. our quarterly review. I, out yeah, of the I way. think that was Mackenzie Martin. So yeah, very cool. I just outed him to Thanks, the world. Man. You did. He, he's a very talented uh, blacksmith friend of mine. So he hints the blacksmith part of the black hints. Handle. Yeah, that, that yes. kind of gives it away. Yeah. yeah, I figured that's who that was. I would give I would give him a shout out for our shout out. I throw it as Instagram, but I can't remember. So give me a second to do some research and go check out <laughs> Mackenzie Martin on Instagram. I'm not that hip. Now he's he's a younger dude, right? Younger than us. Younger than us. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's like, you know, 30s. Yeah, he's young then. Yeah, he's a young yeah. whippersnapper. I mean, you're, you're what? No. <laughs> <laughs> 
I am not. And I'm, I'm almost I'm, what? Yeah, I'm not that, and you're not that either. So, yeah, don't worry about it. So, that's awesome, yeah, man. Yeah, Thanks he's, for he's a guy, but he's, he's a really cool guy. And let me uh, keep one of his toys, which is the, we've talked about it before. It's a 100-year-old power hammer. We actually have a recording of yes. it on our Facebook, right? Yeah, I think now, I think so. we have it in the, one of the episodes, too, yeah. but that thing is super loud. beast. So, it's basically a big smashy smash. You don't want to get your fingers near it. It's 100 year, maybe over 100 years old at this point, and uh, it's downstairs in my work workshop and it's a lot of fun to play with and you still have both your hands right all now of, so this right is right here look at this 10 all the fingers 10, are there 10. yep that's good all right well let's get into this week's topic so due to my time spent on the boat a few weeks ago we talked about that in the last episode and the sheer number of t-shirts that i saw on said boat of a certain band oh. along with the fact that steven michael and i of growing up rock we spent time while we were on the boat, drilling through our top five of this particular band, I felt like that was a sign, a sign from a spirit, the spirit of radio. So, yep, it's time. We haven't done a Degrees of Separation in a while, so this is going to be episode 128, Degrees of Separation, Rush. <laughs> I'm impressed you figured out a way to work this into the subject matter yet again. This is awesome. <laughs> so if you don't know what we do with Degrees of Separation, it's a way for us to take a look at some of the more famous bands that we would never play on this show because, right, because we play the famous. obscure, right? Yeah. We would never play the mainstream stuff. What we do is we take a look at solo albums or guest appearances or project bands or super groups that the members of the bands have participated in. And we've done episodes like this already for King's X. Mm-hmm. You know, it's my way of shoehorning in the bands that I love. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. And somehow getting them into our format. So we've done King's X, we've done Extreme, we did the Big Four of Thrash, that was a fun one. We've done Queen with Craig Elvin, and we also did the Maiden versus Priest. So those were all degrees of separation where we played not songs from those bands, but songs from... Related to... Related to their members. So this one is going to be a bit trickier, because if you remember all the way back in episode 11, we did an RIP, rest in peace, Neil Peart mm-hmm. show. And that was before I had come up with the idea of degrees of separation. And basically what we did is we played some some of the more forgotten Rush songs. And we also played some solo material and we played some project stuff that Getty did with Bob and Doug McKenzie. We played a song that all the guys in Rush played with the band Max Webster. And we're not going to repeat any of that. Mm-hmm. So we've got more material. So I've got more stuff, but it's tricky because I tell you what, the guys in Rush, they were very dedicated to their band. Yeah. And, you know, they did it for over 40 years and they really didn't stray too much from just working on Rush material. So this is a bit of a tricky episode, but I think I got something for you. Okay. Okay. All right. So I thought first, maybe we do just a a quick recap. We did it in episode 11, but just a quick recap of our individual histories with Rush. Right. So I'll let you go first, Robert. Yeah. I heard Tom Sawyer on classic rock radio in the eighties. And then I heard... A crappy local band playing it around a pool at a hotel. When was this? 1987. <laughs> they, ooh. It was like, you know, fellow high schooler friends of mine, but I don't remember ooh, who it was. you gotta have balls to play of. Oh, yeah. That's cover. what I, looking back, I'm like, wow, damn. Because I know my first band, what we played, we played Trooper. Which is, Iron Maiden. takes balls as well. And it, we, it was horrible, but we still had balls enough to try it at least. So that was that. So it's just classic rock radio stuff. And then later on, meeting you, started appreciating them more for their proggy side, which I didn't even know what prog music was back then, but, you know, listening to the the skills of those guys and then falling in love. My favorite one we've talked about that everybody rolls their eyes at because my favorite one is Subdivisions. Everybody wants to pick up an obscure Rush song or what's, something that sounds cool. What's not the love about Subdivisions? The, the, the height of their scent 
synth, which drives some Rush fans crazy. They want just the pure Rush without the synthesizers. I've heard those arguments before, but nah. th that song spoke to me having grown up in an environment that sounded just like that. So I think that will always be the connection for me. Yes. So my Rush story is, so first off, if you don't know who Rush are, yeah. you need to cut this off now and go listen to some Rush because they're a huge band that's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and you should know who they are. Now remember that, because the more you know. Anyway, my story with Rush is I believe I was in the ninth or 10th grade and my friend David Cook calls me up. He's at the record store in our small town and he goes, hey man, I'm going to get you a Christmas gift. You know who Rush is? I was like, I have seen a picture of Rush. I've seen a picture of Getty Lee in the Hit Parader magazine. They don't look so good. Because <laughs> like, I was in there, like hair yeah. bands and punk, and they like, were they were popular before MTV, so therefore yeah. they weren't the best looking dudes. They had the faces for radio. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, "Okay, well, I'm going to get you this tape. You're going to love it." I'm like, "Okay, whatever." And he brings home to me for Christmas. I don't even know why he got me a Christmas gift. He was just being nice. He had just gotten his driver's license, so he was uh, out. He was, he was just out taking the rounds. He was looking for out. a reason yeah, to be yeah. out. I remember that. He comes over and he hands me the tape, and it is "Moving Pictures" by Rush. And I pop it in. Same first song that you heard. Mm -hmm. Tom Sawyer is the first song that comes on. I'm like, "What is this? And where has it been all my life?" Mm -hmm. Immediately fell in love with the band. I mean, I just loved every bit of that tape, and I had no clue of the history of that band at that point. This would have been 1987, maybe 88. And obviously they had a bunch of albums already and they were, the way that Rush does, they're all over the board. Mm. They started off as a pure like Zeppelin kind of rip off hard rock band and then they went through this progressive phase and then they kind of got in this new wave phase and then just built upon that, always reinventing themselves. Becoming a Rush fan and going back through the catalog and figuring out, you know, you're getting at that point in time, it was whatever I saw, it said Walmart or record store that was cheap. Mm -hmm. That's what I would pick up. So, you know, I think the next one I got was... I believe a show of hands, which was then the current live album that mm -hmm. was out. And that's all the 80s stuff. So subdivisions is on there. Yeah, time but it, still. Yeah. And, it, but it, you know, it doesn't sound like moving pictures. It's, it's a little different. Mm. And then I got something from the seventies and that's way different. Oh, the fly by night. Working so, yeah. Man. I think fly by night when it may have been next. Or I got, Real different. I think I got archives, which was like a compilation they made of the first three albums. Yeah. And Getty's, Getty's voice was up in the stratosphere. Of yeah. The first album. But, you know, just a, a super dynamic band. Obviously, all the members in the band are just, Virtu I mean, Virtuosos. I don't know if they're virtuosos, but my God, they're skilled. I mean, obviously, yeah. Neil Peart was. Getty Lee, you could say, yeah, virtuoso. Alex, he's kind of like the hidden gem in Rush to me mm. because the other two get so much attraction. You know, people tend to talk about Getty and Neil, but the guitar parts, if you break them down, it's like really left of center and just out there and not things that you would normally think of. Uh-huh. So he's kind of the, the hidden gem in the band. But yeah, I guess you could say virtuosos. I guess so. I, 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 they're not in the sense of like classically trained. No. They're I in the sense said, of just brilliant. And I think I, I was saying that meaning they could each stand alone. Yes. Without yeah. the others. But they're not like Ingve Malmsteen. No, not not noodlers. Yeah. Although Neil could noodle with the best of them. Oh, Neil could, yeah, he could play anything. Yeah. So that's kind of my history. They are probably, well, they aren't probably, they are my number two band just barely edged out by Kiss. Yeah, just barely edged out by Kiss. Just a hair, uh, a wig hair from yes. one of Gene's wig hairs. Yes, one of one of Paul's wigs. I think. You have all of them. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to jump into some of the things that they've done outside of the band. A lot of project stuff that I'm going to play today. 
some stuff that is very apparent that they're a part of it. Others that you'll be like, hmm, not sure I heard them in there. Yeah. It's not like they all sing or anything. You know, they're playing their instruments. So mm-hmm. we'll see how this goes. I think most Rush fans, the one I'm going to start with is one that most Rush fans will know. Casual fan may have forgotten that this came out or may have never heard it. But Alex Lifeson in 1996, the only official solo album that came out, came out in 96, but it didn't come out under the name Alex Lifeson. It came out under the name Victor. Now, I don't know why he chose... middle name? You know, I'm not sure. I don't think so. But that's the name it came out under, Victor. It was... It looked like it was a band called Victor. Mm-hmm. The name of the album was Victor. However, it's got Alex Lifeson's face on the front, so you know it's an Alex Lifeson solo album, mm-hmm. but you know, just from the name of it, you wouldn't know. It actually reached number 99 on the Billboard 200 in 96, and it received a Juno Award, which is like a Canadian Grammy, mm-hmm. in 1997 for Best New Group which is kind of funny. You've got, you've got a, you know, I'm sure at that point Rush had already been in the Canadian Rock yeah. and Roll Hall of Fame. So. A, couple of, a couple of times. Good over. new group. <laughs> had a permanent residency there. And this, if you're tracking with Rush albums, because like I said, they really didn't stray from record, tour, record, mm. tour. They took very little time off. But this came right in between Counterparts in 94 and Test for Echo in 96. In fact, Test for Echo also came out in 96. This came out in January. I believe Test for Echo came out maybe in the summertime, somewhere around there. He didn't really tour that I know of with this, but it did have a couple singles and it features some prominent people in it. It's not just Alex. So Edwin from I Mother Earth, who we've just played last week, who he actually played on their song. Mm-hmm. Right around the same time, Alex played on an I, I Mother Earth tune, which we played on our funk episode, and then Edwin sang on Alex's project. But not all the vocals. Some of the vocals are done by a lady named Dabello who apparently is a Canadian artist that we, you and I probably don't really know. But also Les Claypool plays bass on one of the songs, which is pretty cool. And if you remember back on that time, early 90s, Primus were the opening band for Rush mm-hmm. on, I believe, the Counterparts tour. So it makes sense. They made a friendship. So I'm going to play from Victor. And this is a song that Del Bello's singing on, 1996. Change the past, why? 
Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> it's over. It's God, over, man. I hate those sneaky endings. Those 90s endings. Yeah. Yeah, because they were the anti-fade out time. Yeah, no more fade outs. No more fade outs. Just stop. Just stop at some point. Whenever the tape runs out. The digital tape. The digital tape. <laughs> uh, okay, so that was all Rush members on that? I lost track. I was li- No, like, that's I lost- an Alex Lifeson solo project. No that Rush was- members other than Alex. That was not Getty Lee? That's what, that's what's so cool. So okay. that, that was thought, Dalbello. Well, I can tell a lady. in the verse. Yeah, who's Obviously a, in the verse, that yeah. was her, but yeah. on the- No, that's her. Holy and she sounds cr- like a young Getty. Ex- the warble at the end yeah. of it, the little vibrato warble it, it thing? It sounds like 1974 Getty. Okay, so I was, that's why I was confused. I thought you'd said Alex, and I'm like, well, no way, that's everybody on there. No. Isn't wow. that cool? And for, I'm kind of disappointed that it had that same dun, 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 over and over and over yeah, and kind of yeah. beat that which is a little bit of a Zeppelin ripoff. Riff. Yeah, it, it kind of is. But with Alex, I you know I have loved to have had more guitar in that versus just the unison. Dun 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 dun. One thing to keep in mind: this came I out. In, I didn't hate it though. I, I kind of like dude, it. I, I, I love I, that. I think song. that's one of those that I could listen to two or three times and it would kind of kick in after the third listen. I agree about the repetitive riff. It to me, it's the parts in between yeah. the riffs. So you've got the kind of weird. I guess you call it a verse. She's yeah. spe- it's a speaking, speaking verse. Yeah. <laughs> it's a speaking verse. Talking verse. And then you have the really cool bridges. Yeah, which they repeat. And I just it kicks love in the it. more melodic bridges that, yeah. that brought me back to it versus just the dun 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 dun. dun. But if you kind of go back and look at the Rush albums that are in between this, so Counterparts was the Rush album where, to me, Alex's guitar came back to the forefront. Mm-hmm. But it still wasn't at the level of what you're hearing on this track, which makes sense. This is a solo album. Yeah, he's going to put the guitar up way up front. He's, he's paying for it. But this did set the blueprint for what would come after with Rush. I I think the last, not so much Test for Echo, which was the album that came out the same year this did, but after that, the remainder of the Rush albums until the end of the band, mm-hmm. he kind of did that really thick, it's like a low tone on, I'm assuming he's playing Gibsons again. I think mm-hmm. he, that's when he picked up the Les Pauls again, but it just has a, a meteor tone. And you heard that on the, the remainder of the Rush albums after Test for Echo. Guitar came mm-hmm. back up front and... Always accompanied, if you listen, you'll hear acoustic guitars backing everything, which is something he did in the 70s. He kind of got away from that in the Mm, 80s. Double tracking. But he brought that back where you get just more meat on the guitar if you're doubling it with an acoustic. Oh, we did that. Yeah. I love that. Love that. I I got that trick from him. (laughs) All right. So we mentioned that the other songs, there. I think there are two songs that she sings on, and then the other songs are Edwin from I, Mother Earth. So funny thing is, Edwin leaves I, Mother Earth around around the same time so like 97 however i guess they were good friends with the guys in rush because in 1999 when i mother earth had a new singer getty was asked to play on an i mother earth track and so i'm gonna play you an i mother earth track with getty lee playing bass and so last week we played an i mother earth song alex played on that was Mm. funky this time around it's not so much funky but it's definitely getty lee on the bass and other than getty's solo album which we played in episode 11 came out in 2000 other than that and the bob and doug and the max webster stuff that we played in that same episode Mm -hmm. there is not a lot of stuff that getty has done he just was true to the cause i mean i could play him singing Oh Canada before a, a Toronto baseball game, <laughs> no, but I'm okay. not I'm not gonna do that. No, that's, that's okay. <laughs> and I believe he's saying Oh Canada on the South Park movie or one of the South Park episodes. That would be kind of funny. Oh Canada. Yeah. Oh Canada. Our home and native land. 
So I'm trying to play two songs from each member of Rush on this episode. I had to stretch to get to the next Getty one. But he didn't give us a lot of material. I mean, yeah, he just there's not a lot there. He concentrated on writing yeah. songs for Rush, and their touring schedule was always pretty hectic. Other than when Neil kind of took a sabbatical because he lost his daughter and his mm. wife in the same year. Yeah. So here is Getty Lee on the I Mother Earth album that came out in 1999 called Blue Green Orange. I Mother Earth again. They're a huge Canadian band that barely made waves here in the States, but they're a great band.
holy damn that was great i love that that brought back so many different elements of different songs there was overall feeling of marillion in that because it's just not necessarily the vocalist sound but just the the feel the vibe a little bit the of weirdness movements the through movements it. throughout yeah. it it was a great build from start to end throwing in i've always loved a good rock piano I, we talk about keys but it's usually synth but you throw in just the actual piano in that just the right amount it had that nick drake feel to it it's, it's kind of a little melancholy a little deep little blue little just weird you know not sure what's going on emotionally in that i mean i have to go back and listen to the lyrics again but yeah loved it loved it loved it i and, mean the beginning of it obviously you know the, the baseline was integral to the very beginning and then it just blended into the song everything became important yeah and it wasn't getty showcasing yeah. it was getty playing to the song which right. is what he does so well that's i loved about it like i say let him show off just a little bit at the beginning not even yeah. show off but just be featured and then boom he's just part of the band so two bands that came up and, and this came out in 99 two two things that came up this was the first time with their new singer who's an excellent singer mm-hmm. but it reminded me off the bat of what collective soul was kind of trying to do at that same time mm-hmm. This guy's a much better singer yeah. than Ed, but kind of that same yeah, vibe. He, he lives around here, so we can't. He does. You know. He's a good dude. He's a good dude. This yeah. guy's a better singer. Yeah, you know, I got a, my plumber had a good story. Whenever to the uh, oh shit, the guitar player. I can't remember his name now. All I know is Ed. Yeah. Well, anyway, so the guitar player of Collective Soul lives in Atlanta. Also, my plumber that I use had a service call over there. Walked into his like bonus room above the garage mm-hmm. with platinum albums, uh, guitars. Oh, like, okay. Uh, not on the walls, but like up the ceiling. Where you know, obviously, you can't reach them. <laughs> just for display but uh-huh. he just he asked him about it and he was like yeah i got a lot of guitars yeah <laughs> just real down to earth dude so anyway yeah that's where our local boys made it but we've done well yeah but so it reminds me a yeah. little bit of collective soul and then a lot of peter gabriel oh I got a yeah. big peter gabriel yes. vibe and peter gabriel With the bongos in it kind of gave it the peter yeah, kind of had that world kind of yeah world sound music yeah it. but peter gabriel had tony levin as his bass player on a lot of those songs that were very famous mm. and here you have i'm mother earth with getty lee so you got these badass bass players playing on this type of yeah. same type of music and that could have been cool. a hit here it was too long and it wasn't a, a single type hit but it was a great song yeah gold album in canada for i mother earth this was i think one of the albums that didn't do as well as their previous ones which yeah. were like triple and double platinum in canada but should have been huger here no not so much yeah Maybe we'll hear some more I'm Mother Earth down the road. I hope so, because that was damn good. Happens to be the third time we've played them, but... (laughs) (laughs) We're getting into a rhythm. I like it. It's a good band. Yeah. I don't think we've ever played a band two weeks in a row. This Mm. Now we have. So I'm Mother Earth has... uh... You're playing much fewer songs that piss me off. (laughs) So I like this where we're we're going. Well, let's see where we go next. (laughs) Spoke too soon. (laughs) We need to talk about the professor, Mr. Neil Elwood Pert. Pert. And similar to Getty Lee... He spent most of his career dedicated to perfecting his paradiddles and <laughs> writing lyrics for Rush. One and two and three and four. <laughs> I mean, he did not do a whole lot outside of Rush. I, most Rush fans know that the one thing he did do is he started focusing on jazz in the 90s. And he was kind of working on his chops and working with Freddie Gruber. And he actually reinvented the way that he played in the mid-90s, which mm. is crazy to think about. Somebody who's been playing for 30 years. Yeah. And then they go and reinvent how they play. Like the way the drums are set up, the way his hands are, you know, he went to like traditional grip and all mm-hmm. these all these things that he wasn't doing before, he completely redid. Uh, that's just crazy. Once, once you reach the peak. 
peak. It's like, okay, how yeah, where do you I go do from this? there? You go sideways. He was already the best drummer in the world. Yeah. But he was really a fan of the best jazz drummer that the world has ever known. And I'm talking about Buddy Rich. And in 1991, Buddy Rich's daughter invited him to play a memorial scholarship concert in New York City. And apparently, according to Neil, it didn't go well. I'm sure to all of us, yeah, it it, we wouldn't have noticed fine. anything. Yeah. But he was not happy, but it got him on the path of, I need to study more. I need mm-hmm. to get good like these guys were, his heroes, you know. If you're a drummer, really, if you're into any instrument, you kind of tend to go to jazz if you want to be the perfectionist. Mm-hmm. You know, jazz is like, if you can play jazz, then apparently you're an incredible musician. Well, we've talked I about don't the, understand jazz. No, but, I don't either. We talked about the other Canadian huge band, Triumph, that you told me that after a while he Yeah, went he went to jazz, jazz as well. Yeah. Yep. So anyways, no, that's a different part of the brain that involves math. And I'd, I'd <laughs> run away from that part of my brain every yeah, chance I get. Yeah, jazz is not something... I'd like to listen to it, yes, but exactly. I don't... Not always, but Sometimes. a lot of times I don't I don't get it. Like, I don't... I can't tell my, my brain doesn't comprehend it. what's really going yeah. on sometimes and it's a lot of improv and that improv doesn't always yeah. sound good to me it's like, hey man it's the notes you don't hear that's what important like, yeah. shut up just <laughs> get out of here but neil he dove into jazz now i'm not going to play jazz on this show it's not in our title we no. do rock punk and metal yeah. so we're going to keep it rock everything's going to be obscure when it comes <laughs> yeah. except for like three albums coltrane and a couple others maybe but i think what a lot of people know is that neil worked on two albums called burning for buddy and it's a tribute to the music of buddy rich and neil actually did play on i think a song on both of those albums and then he brought in all these other incredible musicians to kind of revisit reinterpret buddy mm-hmm. rich songs buddy rich orchestra stuff but i think what most people don't know is that not only did neil get inspiration from the drumming of Buddy Rich, but also he got a lot of the inspiration from the poetry and the lyricism from Buddy Rich. Did you know this? No, not at all. Well, I'm going to, have you ever heard Buddy Rich's poetry? No, not a bit. I've Uh, only heard him play drums. I'm just going to play a snippet of Buddy Rich's poetry and you tell me if this is where Neil got it or not. He is the primary songwriter for lyrics for Rush, if you don't know. So I think this was probably his inspiration. What do you think this is, anyhow? What kind of plane do you think this is? What kind of miscues do you call this? What fucking bad do you think you're playing on, motherfuckers? You want to fuck with me on a bandstand? Shut that fucking door. I'm up there working my balls off trying to do somebody a favor, and you motherfuckers are sucking all over this joint. What kind of trumpet section do you call us tonight? And saxophones? You've got to fucking be kidding me! That's deep, man. That is t- deep. I'm pretty sure that's where Neil got his lyrics. All those beatniks back in the 60s. Yeah, that, what they call poetry is beyond me. That is an 11 minute tirade that you can go listen to on YouTube of Buddy Rich just laying into his band. Oh, yeah, it took me a second to figure out who he was yelling at. It yeah, was his he is own on band. the bus. Somebody's oh, recording he's on this. He's on the bus. You can hear the bus noise in the background. Yeah. And if you listen to all 11 minutes, eventually he kicks some people off of the bus. <laughs> You're so bad. Just <laughs> walk. You're going to walk to the next gig. There's some Australian guy that I guess was writing charts or doing something. I'm not sure what he was playing, but he's like, you could just leave. You could just get off the bus right now. Uh, but it's still moving, sir. <laughs> I don't care. Tuck and roll, man. Tuck and roll. So I'm not going to I'm not gonna play the jazz stuff okay. that Neil did on the Burning for Buddy albums, but they're yeah. cool if you like jazz. But he did play with 
another jazz great before he even did the Buddy albums. So in 1985, Neil actually played a couple of songs on an album, the first album, by an amazing jazz fusion kind of progressive rock bass player named Jeff Berlin. Jeff Berlin was this guy from New York who played with Bill Bruford. He played with Patrick Moraz, who was in Yes at some point. He ended up playing on the Anderson Bruford Awakeman Howe tour because Tony Levin, I guess, was out with Peter Gabriel. Worst, Worst band name ever. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, if you know Yes Guys, I guess it makes sense. But it's just too much. Anyway, he has some rock background, but he's mostly a jazz dude. And his first album is kind of a mix between kind of fusion rock and jazz. So mm-hmm. I'm going to play one of the songs that Neil played on in 1985. Like I said, there's not a lot out there. So this is what we get. And I think it's kind of cool. So this is Jeff Berlin and Vox Humana. That's the name of his first group. And this is a song called Champion of the World. The name of the album is Champion. This is Neil Peart with Jeff Berlin.
Uh, yeah, so I need you to go back and edit out the part a few minutes ago where I said you haven't played music to piss me off. <laughs> I told you it might be coming. Damn it! <laughs> as soon as I open my mouth, the next song that comes out sounds like a bad sitcom intro from the 1980s. I was like thinking the same bosom thing. Bosom Buddies or Family Matters it or does. something. It sounds like, like the intro to a bad sitcom. It's the keys, the totally keys. And, it's, I, and tell me, please tell me, dear God, Neil is playing with one hand because that is it. Neil Pert plays on your song and it's. Yeah, he's jazz. I've never played drums in my life and I could play that. Well, I don't know if you. I don't know I, if you heard some of the rolls and some of the Tom stuff. Yeah, I could keep doing, the hi hat going through ninety nine yeah. percent of the song. Yeah, maybe not a roll. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, you, I, can you can definitely see. tell it's Neil. No, in certain parts, <laughs> you can. You can totally tell when he does the Tom rolls, and then you're like, "Yeah, that sounds like Neil." That's wishful thinking. Sorry, <laughs> that is you projecting. You're projecting I'm your telling, wishes and desires onto I'm, that song. I'm telling you, there's not a lot to choose from with these guys. So. Uh, uh, Bill from our first band could have done a better job of keeping the beat in that song. <laughs> Probably right. He was a good drummer. He was, oh, he's all right. So, God, yeah. So not on your playlist. No. It's just... <laughs> <sighs> the bass playing is badass. I don't know if you listen to the bass playing. I was distracted by the crappiness of everything else. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the keys. It was the yeah. keys. It was so, those horrible 80s keys, which haven't... They weren't before that time, and they weren't after that time. I swear it was like 84, 85... <laughs> Really bad TV sitcom keyboards. I was thinking the same thing. Like, this sounds like the uh, intro to some sitcom that only lasted what, for half a season. Yeah, half a season. They yanked it, and <laughs> the, the kid got busted for meth or something. Yeah, I can even see the characters, like, dancing. Yeah. <laughs> some cute kid. Da, 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 da. Now he's arrested on meth. Yeah. So that's what Neil was up to in 1985. Yeah. Now, 85, I believe, if I got my timeline right, I believe that's the same year that Power Windows came out. Okay. Well, he was just getting it out of his system. Which... Features the TV that you have downstairs. Yes, I have the Same exact, exact TV, TV and the dog looking out the window instead of the boy, so or the man. <laughs> right, yeah, the boy with the binoculars. Yeah, so that's what he was up to in 85, apart from doing Rush. Let's find out what Lurst was doing in 1985. I mean Alex Lifeson yes. by that. So what was Alex doing in 1985? He did a little collab with, I don't know what you want to call him, I guess maybe a Canadian New Wave band is the best way to hmm. explain this band. And Newakum. Newakum. <laughs> Canadian heavy metal. It's not heavy metal. Oh, they are new a wave. new wave, wave band. band. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Yes. So this band's called Platinum Blonde. And in Canada, their debut album went triple platinum in Canada. I, I see what you did there. How about that? Platinum yeah. Blonde went triple platinum. And on their second album, Alex plays on it. It's called Alien Shores. Now, the interesting thing about that is Rush in the 90s on Counterparts would have a song called Alien Shore. Hmm. hmm. Interesting. So Alex played on it, and I don't know if it's because Alex played on it, but the first one went triple platinum. This one went five times platinum in Canada. Quadruple. No, that would be four. Quintuple. No, I said quindriple. Quindriple? Oh, yeah, quindriple. <laughs> okay. I think it's quintuple. Right? Quint- quintuple? Yes. Okay. It went five times Let's platinum. Let's say five times it platinum. It went five times platinum. Yeah, it went five times yeah, platinum. Good for them. How about that? Love and it. Alex plays leads in two of the songs that are singles. And the leads that he plays are very aligned By with the, the... I'm sorry. For those of you listening, if you're hearing noise in the background, that is our dog, Ronnie James Dio, who brings his bone over from way across the room right next to where we're recording and then starts chewing on the bone right next to us. Just a little added, you know, just a little added sound effect in the yeah, background. Just, you know, it's not your, it's, there's not a glitch in the Matrix. Chomp, chomp, chomp. Alex plays lead on a couple of their songs from this album that 
just exploded for this band. And the leads are very similar to the type of thing he was doing in the 80s, which I've heard Alex say that he didn't like his guitar tone in the 80s. He didn't like what he was doing. He didn't like the fact that, and this is in hindsight, obviously, yeah. he didn't like the fact that the guitars weren't out front. But I came into Rush during this time. Yeah. And, and you did too. Yeah. And it's to me, it was the most unique use of his guitar than any other time that Rush were around. Mm. I mean, what he was doing was kind of injecting sparsely in parts around the keyboards mm -hmm. because the bass and the keyboards were kind of the focus at that time. And he would kind of interject these weird little passages and a lot of tremolo leads and just... They'd play in unison and they would cool converge into man. harmony. I, yeah, I, I loved, loved it. it. Yeah. I thought it was really cool and it was very unique. And so, I, you know, I understand now in hindsight, he's probably like, oh, it wasn't crunchy guitar, but yeah. it was really badass to me at the time and mm -hmm. I still love it. And that's kind of what he's adding to this new wave thing, which in a way is kind of what Rush were doing. They were doing like their interpretation of the police mm -hmm. rush style so i think it's cool this band would platinum blonde would put out two more albums but the albums after this one didn't do nearly as well and of course their album in the 90s just tanked because mm -hmm. at that point music had kind of changed and new wave wasn't really going and they decided to change their name at that time to the blondes so i guess to, to you lose, lose the platinum because yeah. that was so 80s you know so they had to change it but anyway they kind of went away but this is a really cool album and a, i'm going to play you a really cool song this was probably their biggest single in canada again in the u.s it, i think it was on the charts but not very high on the charts so this is a song called crying over you from platinum blonde from their album alien shores 1985 Go!
what year was that again? 85. The same as the last song. Wow, what a difference that is. That is half a step away from being a hairband song. You could take that exact song. It's got the ripping lead in there, bring down the keys, throw in another guitar, you know, rhythm guitar in there. It's and true. Make it chunkier. It's true. You take the keys way down. Yeah, but the lyrics stay the same. The guitar Take a lead. little bit of the pop out yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah, it like, could have been. That'd been great to hear heard two different versions of that same exact song. <laughs> like, I don't know which way the winds are changing. You know, let's see what's more popular. And their name, it works for both. Platinum, Platinum Blonde. Blonde. Yeah. That that would totally work for I a hairband. I think band. they missed an opportunity there. Yeah. But yeah, that was a rip and lead, otherwise tame That song. is so 85, though. Yeah. We've talked about 86. Did that it, was it, so it, 85. Yeah. It, Just, got, it got more hard rock-ish. Like, it was the glam sound was starting to get more boiled down in the late 80s and it was more just rock but that poppy yeah that new wavy turning into yeah something else it was pivoting it was you know they're like the canadian duran duran yep i think a duran duran the same way like they had some rock because when you say new wave i'm thinking the car yeah even more electronic pop that was more moving into the rock category but like i said if they had taken it just a couple of steps further they could have had a huge hairband hit with that so that's what neil and alex were up to in 85 do you want to find out what getty was up to in 1985 let's just put it this way what were you doing in 85 what was i doing in 85 i was in the sixth grade sixth grade yeah damn (laughs) it did make me think back to my clothing in 1985 Mm -hmm. because i was trying to be Miami Vice, as I'm sure you were as well. I had the, uh, oh yeah, I brought home some more photos to prove it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. get some of those bright t-shirts with a little blazer, uh-huh. roll up sleeves fact, a little bit. When I got arrested, I was some wearing- Some Sebagos. Yep, I was wearing, I'd, I'd taken the coat off, but I had pastel looking mm-hmm. pants, mm-hmm. like the parachute looking- they weren't parachute with pleats. With yeah, pleats. yeah, pleats. Yeah, and suspenders because that was a big thing. And a <laughs> oh, polo t-shirt. shirt. Oh, a polo shirt. Now, okay. th- yeah, this night I had a polo shirt, but the pants were still rolled up as I got out of the car. That's right. And the cops like get out of the car. My pants were still rolled up because we'd been to the beach, which that was a normal thing on the weekends. We we had miles and miles of deserted beach to go hang out on. So yeah, the cop looks me up and down and quickly discerned that I was not a threat to him. <laughs> Didn't even put me in cuffs. Was like here, get in the back of the car. <laughs> so anyway, what was Getty Lee doing in '85? Not getting arrested. So Getty Lee. So the other thing that happened in 1985, if you remember, there was a, what's he doing over there? He's freaking out about something. Is the beaver back? I think the beaver's back. Beaver's back. Oh, my beaver back, beaver back, beaver back. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I don't want to know. Yeah, so Dia's looking out the window. All right. Getting ready to raise hell. He's getting ready to bark. There's something coming down the street. We'll we'll find out just a minute. Yeah. All right. All right. So in 1985, if you remember, there was a huge single in the States. It was called We Are the World. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize this, but there was a whole album. Did you know there was a whole album? No. It was a whole I album. I thought it was just a single. I did too. There was a whole album. And on that they album- They recorded that after some award show. They stayed there that long to make an album? Well, they had songs from other bands on it. Oh, oh, oh As well oh. as they also had- <laughs> You dig deep for this, <laughs> didn't you? Oh, man. They also had something from a group called Northern Lights. And Northern Lights was written by, it's a song written by David Foster. We've talked about him. We've talked about him. The song is called Tears Are Not Enough. Oh, no. And this is the Canadian all-star version of oh. the We Are the World, which was the American. We could do a whole podcast that was USA episode of obscure charity songs. Because yeah. David Gilmore did one for Lithuania. Yeah. 
Yeah, I heard that. I haven't heard the song, I but I, I know that he did one. I it's, it's it's different. It, yeah, I don't want to know. I just don't. Want um, to so Getty Lee uh-huh. was featured for just a like a, like a, a snippet, yeah. a second on this brilliant Canadian song, which I'm sure was a hit in 1985. We just like we the are the world. world eh? <laughs> Tears are not enough. A eh? Oh, that sounds horrible. Uh, so this is all the Canadian pop stars you can imagine. Your favorites, like Neil Young. Mm. Jo- now, l- think about Neil Young singing on We All the World, basically is what you get here. Oh. I'm not going to play that. I'm not going to do- torture you. Thank you. Joni Mitchell, Brian Adams, Mike Reno. Oh, yeah, they're all good. Mike Corey, Reno, Corey uh, Hart. Mike Reno was Loverboy? Loverboy. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Yep. And Getty Lee. Hart? Corey Hart. Oh, others said Hart. It's like, no, they're no. Canadian? Corey Hart. Oh, yeah. He wears the sunglasses. And, and a whole bunch of other Canadian artists. I'm going to play, because I cannot listen to this again. I listened to it once. I watched the video to see where Getty was in it, because uh, I didn't know. You had to verify. You had visual verification. I'm giving you a 30-second sampler. Oh, you're not going to play the whole song? I'm not going to play the whole song. I'm going to give you is a 30 second. Is that bad? Because you tortured me for fun, so yeah. I'm, I'm impressed. Tears are not enough, and I have it right at the point. It's going to fade in, uh-huh. and then you're going to hear Getty do a little, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you're going to hear the chorus, and it's going to end, because that's all I can take. <laughs> okay. That is all I can take. So, tears are not enough. Sorry. Absolutely horrible. And it sounded like a David Foster gig. Oh my God. And you should watch, Uh, you should watch the video. Well, because there's there, there was a hair band, not a hair band, a, a metal uh, comp. It was hearing aid. Hearing right? aid, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the Ronnie James Dio put that together. Yeah, was, and that was pretty cheese ball. So yeah, that's pretty bad too. Yeah, so we can make it all really the same horror. year. Yeah, that was everybody the wanted to do. do something for Africa yeah, that year. Make a lot of money for Africa. Make a this video was out actually of it. on the We Are the World album. I had no idea. Wow. But that was getting oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, little Paul Stanley imitation. Hi, <laughs> right, people. Okay, so that's all I'm going to give you from Getty yeah, in 1985. I'm going to jump. I kind of want to hear the rest, but I don't want to. It's, well, it's, go watch the video because Brian Adams is really hamming it up in the video. And it's the same thing. It's like they're all in the studio. They all have headphones. They all have headphones on, and they're all like putting their hand on yeah. one ear so they can make sure they hear themselves oh, yeah. really well. Oh, yeah, that's what you do. That's what you did back then. <laughs> yeah, we got to put either two hands or two one hands, hand. Because, oh, my God. Oh, wow, it's all bad. Right, yeah, the all memories right. are flooding back. So, Let's fast forward. I need another Getty song because that is not going to work. Let's fast forward to 2006. And I mentioned it's hard to find. So this is Getty playing bass on a song that really is a, it's an Alex Lifeson project. It's called The Big Dirty Band. Ooh. And... Who's a big dirty band? Who's a you big are. Dirty band. You're a big dirty band. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is a kind of a Canadian supergroup, and it was put together. They did one song, and it was put together for the Trailer Park Boys movie. Have you ever watched Trailer no, Park Boys? I, I've heard of them, but I've not actually yeah. seen it. So, so it's a Canadian mockumentary yeah. kind of show. You, you think it's a documentary, but it's not, and it's it's pretty funny. They've had like I don't know, thirteen, fourteen episodes or years not episodes, years of doing it on TV, and then they made a movie in two thousand six. Alex has been on a couple of times, so he's kind of a running joke on the program. <laughs> 
And this band is, there's a guy, Ian Thornley, who's in this band, the singer from Three Days Grace, and the, the a girl that sings in a band called Die Mannequin, who's a Canadian band, and the drummer from another band called Tea Party. So it's kind of a Canadian mm. supergroup kind of a thing, and it features, happens to feature Alex and Getty. So they do a, an awesome cover, and they have a, a great video. So I'm going to play the Big Dirty Band. This is their cover of I Fought the Law from the Trailer Park Boys movie soundtrack. It's great. Oh, you should check it out. The big dirty band. That's Alex Lifeson. What, the dick tree from Rush? Can you buy that for me, Recky? You have to buy it. Still some money for that green and black I hooked him up with. Rick, stop around put it back. I am putting it back. Listen, boss, we got no money. You can't have Ricky. He said...
Yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you redeemed yourself. Oh, good. That was good. That, that, that seemed like they really had fun playing that and recording it. That's what I like about it. I love the part at the end where they kind of bring in the like acoustic-y part you're not expecting to be yeah, there, yeah. and then you hear Getty doing Getty things. Getty things. What, is, what are you doing? He's doing Getty, Getty things. Do Getty things. Diddly diddly on the bass. Google Getty. That's what you get. Yeah, I can Google Getty. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, I dig it. Really cool. I wish they would have done more stuff, actually, because that collaboration is pretty powerful. It, and what this is fairly recent, right? 2006. So, yeah, so considering their career. Yeah. Yeah, relatively yeah. recent. Yeah, so Adam from Three Days Grace, and then I think her name's Carrie. That was the screamer, right? Yeah, Carrie from Die Mannequin. Yeah. So the two of them singing, Alex and Getty are just playing, yeah. but sounds awesome. Okay, back to The Professor. Neil Peart, I mentioned, not a lot outside of Rush, mm-hmm. just like Getty. Alex, he's done a, a ton of stuff. There's there's a lot you can pull from Alex, but the other two, not so much. The odd thing about Neil is, or at least this was odd to me, is there's one band that he has played with multiple times on a couple of albums mm-hmm. and even written with this band. And it may be just my ignorance of thinking I knew who this band was and not understanding what they are, but to me it's a very odd pairing for any Rush member to collaborate with Vertical Horizon. Because oh. my understanding, all I know about Vertical Horizon is from their third album, it was real poppy alternative stuff that our 99X yeah, they were radio station the used to that. play the hell out of them. And it was very poppy, very yeah. like milk toast. I thought it was like real milk toast mm-hmm. kind of and alternative never, light. never resonated with me at all. I judged them based on my limited knowledge of their music. Mm-hmm. But they've had seven albums from 92 to 2018. Mm-hmm. And Neil has collaborated on two of their albums. On 2009, they put out an album called Burning the Days, and he plays drums on three of their songs, and he even co-wrote one of the songs. How do you get Neil to do that? I don't know, because he wasn't known to be a guy that collaborated collaborated with a lot of people. And then in 2013, he's on their album Echoes from the Underground. He plays drums on two of the songs. And I'm going to play one of those, because I went and listened to them all, and, you know, like I said, I have very limited knowledge of them, and I I sort of liked all of them. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe I judge this band based on their hits, not so much on their work. Okay. But I'll let you be the judge. I, I think it's pretty cool. So here's Vertical Horizon. I never thought I'd be playing Vertical Horizon on this show. Here's Vertical Horizon with Neil Peart playing drums. This song's called Instamatic 2013. Today we're going to commence the master recording here. We're at Henson Studios today. Just for a pause for a moment and talk about recording technology, they built an igloo out of my bass drum. I think it's a Canadian drum. I think they're making, oh, the Canadian drummer's here. Let's build an igloo over his bass drum. (laughs) (laughs) They're all ice chuckers. (laughs) Ask my friend Michael. He calls Canadians ice chuckers. So by the process defined before, we've been uh, just playing through the song, Mateo and me, a few times and putting down a couple takes and listening to them. And at this point, we have one that we like. It's good and solid and lots of interesting spice and a lot of push and pull in this song. We're going to talk about the complexities of the structure of the drum part at a later time like when there is one (laughs) but for now uh, now that we have one we like now we move on to raise it up a bit i feel confident now that we've got a good one and everything that i was aiming to get into the song and support the song vocally structurally dynamically and rhythmically has been done so at this point now i'm just going to go i like this one trying to beat it i call it kind of a leapfrog where i've got to take i like try to beat it and then try to beat it so we're in that um pleasurable mode now because there's nothing lost. We've got a good one and we're moving on trying to go up that little bit higher. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, let's rock.
Yeah, you're right. I definitely like that more than you're a god and I am not. Eh. It's so whiny. That's why I hated it. So yeah, that's going to be the rest of their stuff. I probably should have given them a little bit more of a listen. I really like it. I mean, it's so big, Neil. Big guitars. So and now Neil. you throw in the big drums to match those big guitars. Yeah. It was really nice. And I don't know what the connection is. I couldn't really find out why there His was a connection probably between went the two. to school with one of the they were a band sisters for, or something. They're, they're an American band. They're from know, Georgetown they, University. So who knows? They could have met. But what's it like being a drummer in a band? And they're like, hey, man, um, so good news and bad news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, by the way, we're not going to let you play on this song. Yeah. Why don't you just wait this one out? Could you just we go get got, some coffee? We got this old guy. We in, need some He's in the lobby. Just let him back. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, he is, you know, we want to be nice to him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'd love to do one song. I love the fact that we just listened to a Vertical Horizon song and there was double kick in yeah, it. Yeah, in a d- <laughs> <laughs> it's like, just a little. I'm like, just like, a little. I'm fairly certain that was not yeah. in a lot of their Neil, songs. No double kick. No, Neil, no, Neil. Oh, God, he's doing double kick. Okay, uh, fine. Just let him do whatever he wants. Do what he wants. I could also tell that the bass player was happy as could be because he was like doubling up what Neil was doing. Yeah, you just know that guy was like geeking out. Keeping up with, with a, a kind of a middle of the road drummer is like, oh, all right, that's fine. And all of a sudden it's like, all right, let me stretch. Out, don't want to pull a hammy. Ugh. All right, ready to go. Oh my god, I would, I would have shit my pants if I had to play with Neil Peart. Yeah. Kevin, um, yeah, could you go take care of that, please? It's really distracting. What does the studio smell all of a sudden? Your ass is distracting. <laughs> all right, I got one more for you. All right, and Alex, like I said, he's put out a lot of stuff. He just put out a new album. Came Good out for him. Twenty twenty two, and this is uh, sort of another super group. Sort of. Canadian-American supergroup. Dropped their first album just a couple months ago. They are called Envy of None. And it doesn't really sound like anything Alex has done. It's very much uh, an electronic, kind of lighter on the guitar, more electronic, kind of cool, mellow, but yet ominous. So it's not totally like, it's not pop. Yeah. But it's on the K-Scope label, which is a label that's known for Prague and post-Prague. So groups like Porcupine Tree and Anthema, Stephen Wilson, kind of these groups that are flying the flag of Prague now, mm-hmm. but it's more mellow and more ominous is a good way to say it. It's just kind of more dreary. And, yeah. I don't know. You, you be the judge, but I think it's pretty cool. It's Alex playing guitar, obviously, and doing okay. a lot of the programming. And then Andy Curran, who was the vocalist and bass player for a Canadian band we've played before called Coney Hatch. And in the 80s, they were like a hard rock band. Mm-hmm. Play, I'm sure they played with Rush at some point. They're a Canadian band. I think every Canadian band probably did. And There's only like four bars to play in up there. Yeah, so I'm sure you know, there's, it's not a big country. It's, no, you know, it's a lot of space. Pretty small, right? A lot of farms. Yeah. One of the biggest in the world. Of, but, you a lot know, of snow. The singer, Maya Wynn, I hope I'm saying her name right. She is an indie and folk multi-instrumentalist. In, in, can you say that word for me? Instrumentalist? Yes, I'm having issues. Instrumentalist. There you go. Better said by you. Inter- She's from Oregon. Mentalist. Now, how she came on the radar of Alex, I don't know. But it's, it's near Canada. I Yeah. Other side. It's, He's it's in Toronto. There. Oh, well, it's near the border. <laughs> anyway, she's singing on this and being an indie folk artist doesn't really come through. It comes through more like she's a goth girl. Yeah. That's the way it kind of comes through. And I, I like it. It's cool. She has a very cool voice. So anyway, Alex put out two instrumental solo songs on his website last year. And that kind of led to this whole album being done. At that point, it was just him and some programming and just instrumental stuff. Mm-hmm. But now it's like this whole electronic kind of mixed with rock, mellow, introspective kind of thing. If you get the album, like I said, it just came out. It's called Envy of None, self-titled. If you get the album, the very last song is an instrumental called Western Sunset. And apparently that is a tribute to Neil Peart, who passed away a few years ago. And Leipzig actually composed the song at Peart's 
home just before he died in January of 2020. Oh, so, wow. Kind of cool. I'm not going to play that song because it's super mellow and, yeah. you know, it doesn't really fit with what we're doing here. I'm going to play a song called Spy House. And this song was one of those instrumentals that he posted last year, which they then kind of redid and put vocals to. And I think it's pretty cool stuff. It's not hard rock. It's yeah. not Rush. So don't okay. go into this thinking it's Rush. No, this right. is a different band. Open mind. But it's pretty cool. Here's Envy of None. <laughs> going another three or four minutes yeah i was thinking the same thing that was a good build and then you're expecting more but yeah it's a short one i'm sure i had fun with that the guitar lead same thing that could have gone on for a lot longer that was just glorious i love the sound of that it's cool yeah it's, it's different it's very different but I, I really like it the metal side to that that's a good chill out song yeah and that's sort of how the whole album flows it's very much just kind just of chill, chill but you get a little bit of that darker edge a yeah. little goth edge but if, if that's his mood it was around the time when neil passed you know you're not feeling like rocking it out sometimes so that's what i got for you those are the degrees of separation for rush i can't find anything else so that's, that's what it. we get that's it done. this is a one and done cap that off yeah if you can't find it it's <laughs> this not one's scratched off the list unless somebody from canada mails us something that, we've had two rush episodes yeah Unless another member happens Passes. to pass. Well, they're not going to. Don't worry. They're fine. I'd call, I'll call they're them last forever. week. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. No, no, yeah. Gaddy's fine. He's working out every day. We're not planning Drinking another rush episode. <laughs> there we go. Awesome. Until next time. See you. Later. <laughs>